You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is February 17th here. Oh my gosh, almost the second month is in the can. But it's Friday morning, and you know how I am at the end of a week. I am like a dead body, especially after spending two days on Capitol Hill banging my head against the wall, trying to foment a revolution. Um, A lot has been inspired by that. You won't see it directly in my writing, but indirectly, um, you know, people were joking around some members and staffers, hey, Daniel, you really have uh, uh, the biggest outrage tank of anyone. Your reservoir for outrage is just unbelievable. And, you know, that that's really what it boils down to. I, I think that's what distinguishes what we do here you know, from, from almost anywhere else, is that this is not just sort of uh, some thumb-sucking, uh, you know, punditry and musings and, oh, Daniel, you get paid to just... Uh, you know, write some stuff. Wow, that's great. That's very insightful. You know, if I don't feel like I'm making a difference and getting on the playing field, I've no no use for this. I've no use for all the time I've spent away from my family. Um, You know, even when I'm with my family, I'm always strategizing, always thinking, always, I mean, you just see the, just the level of stuff we've done the last couple of weeks. Um, I I am looking forward to the President's Day weekend and, um, you know, hopefully we'll take Monday off here. But that's what I want to talk about in honor of President's Day, which is not really President's Day. Um, it's been bastardized from George Washington's birthday, which is next Wednesday, the 22nd. And that's understanding that we need a leadership. We don't need a manager. We don't need a thumb sucker. We don't need a carnival barker. We need a leader. We need a leader who has an outrage tank who has a moral compass, who speaks to the morality of our just causes and values with just as much strength and commitment, dedication, and passion as the left speaks to the immorality. Well, they speak to the morality of their immorality and their issues. You know, this is not Celebrity Apprentice. It's not a business roundtable. It's not a think tank's thumb-sucking seminar. This is the future of our civilization at stake. And we need leadership. And what I'm what I'm scared about, you know, watching what's going on here is that we're getting the lowest common denominator, the worst of everyone's baggage. So we're getting all of Trump's chaotic baggage, his you know his, his liberal issues, um, you know, with Reince Priebus as chief of staff. Not only is Reince a liberal, but he's just he's horrible. You know, at least Reagan hired a, a liberal Republican, James Baker, but he was competent. Uh, this is just a disaster what's going on. A lot of it's due to Ryan's Priebus, and you know, I hope to get to that at a later date. Um, but then, you know, the things he does do good, then you have the luggage of the GOP establishment that just dead. There's nothing there. I don't know what they stand for. I don't know why they exist. I just don't get it. I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know why these guys exist. You know, you look at the first four months for four weeks of the Obama administration. The amount of things he accomplished for the left. Here, we're left with nothing. 
I don't I couldn't tell you what the House is doing. Now obviously you have challenges in the Senate with the Democrats blocking the cabinet picks, but you know, even without that, you have Susan Collins, you got Lisa Murkowski, McCain, Graham, and just an endless number of rhinos, 20, 30 of them just causing trouble. And that doesn't even speak to Cornyn and McConnell and GOP leadership that even if you didn't have these guys, they wouldn't stand for anything. There are so many issues we put out here, so many arguments that could be made, but those arguments don't get out to the media. They don't get out to the public, you know, beyond some of our circles. And they, they certainly aren't promulgated by the spokesman for the party that's being perceived as as being to the right. And, and that's the problem here. What I mean by the nightmare scenario is where we're eliciting all the rage from the left. They're energized now as if we are doing all this right wing stuff, but we're not really doing it or accomplishing anything. Um, we just, you know, we're just debating about the media as an end to itself. Now, at least do good conservative stuff and then fight the media over. But don't I mean, if you just fight the media just for the sake of fighting the media, we're left with nothing. Um, You know, you got obviously the whole Flynn thing where now, you know, all the good guys on the national security side will probably be thrown overboard. You have the bureaucracy fighting back, which I warned, you know, a lot of people are saying, Daniel, why are you so particular that you need Cruz over Trump? What do you mean? You know, uh, he'll get rid of the bureaucracy. And I said, no, I mean, the guy is a businessman, a manager. This is not a roundtable. This is not, oh, let's create a team of rivals to go and debate each other. Um... You know, you know, this is war. This is civilization warfare within the bureaucracies against the courts, um, all the institutions. And there's no such thing as lukewarm hell. If you have mud- a muddled message and you're inconsistent, you do some good things, but then some bad things. You have some good spokesmen, but some bad spokesmen. You have some bad people in your administration. You don't fire all the people you, you should fire January 20th. Not only are you going to get the conservative leadership you need, you're not even going to get the proper management because you can't manage a war. And that's what we're in here. We don't need a manager. We need a leader. And that's what we celebrate here with George Washington's birthday. You know, the thing about George Washington is he spoke to the morality of the cause. He rose to the challenge of the time because he spoke to the ethos, the values. And you, you hear it from the left. They speak to the values of their immorality. They engage in civil disobedience against our laws, traditions, history. You know, you see it with illegal immigration now. You see it with the you know, Middle East immigration. They have an entire movement. They just won't listen. And yet we don't have a movement to stand up for what's lawful. When, when people like, um, you know, Mrs. Stutzman there in Washington, are a, a florist, is being forced with her own unalienable rights, her own private property, to service a homosexual agenda. Whatever you think about that. Really? This is the country we are? And there's no conservative movement. There's no one even talking about it, standing up for it. No ability in Congress effort except except for a couple of my friends that I, I tried to work with this this week um but you know they're they don't have committee chairmanships they don't have a platform but these guys you know want to fight back want congress to come in and fight back against what's going on in our culture but no th- there's nobody there but george washington spoke to this i mean read his his uh, farewell address wow um, it's all about morality. And when I mean morality, I don't just mean verses in Leviticus. 
I mean, speaking to the philosophical underpinnings that our cause is just and right. You never hear that. You hear muddled thumb sucking from our side. You know, once in a while, Trump does get there on certain issues, immigration, although it's only halfway. Um, We'll speak about that in a moment. But anyway, you know, I, I just think, and there's a lot of things you could say over from him, but a letter he wrote to Catherine Graham, George Washington, said the following, All see and most admire the glare which hovers around the external trappings of elevated office. He was talking about the office of the presidency. Quote, to me, there is nothing in it beyond the lust which may be reflected from its connection with a power of promoting human felicity. And that's what is he viewed the office of the presidency. The only lust he had for it is the capacity to do right. And just on my small personal level here, my only lust for power, for an audience, for a platform to have my views and voices heard is to make a difference. It's to save this culture. I'm not happy. You know, it's funny. I know I always sound kind of down and kind of dispiriting, but just know that I, I, I only do that because I believe we're at the cusp of making a difference. It's tantalizing that we, we could make a difference. I don't think all is lost. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel as strongly. I just sit back, collect my paycheck. Everyone, you know, praise me. Oh, you're doing such a great job and saying over things and giving over information. And, you know, what do I care? But I do care. That's the thing. Um, I just, I have a hard time sleeping at night now and just, you know, just thinking maybe I could do something more. And, you know, I'm working with some friends. I'm working to gather a movement on judicial reform, on fighting back, on on the key issues. Um, I have a clarion call for my Friday post. Uh, please read it. I'm going to link to it on the show notes. Um, the cultural Marxists are creating a living hell. Where's the leadership? Where's the movement? Basically a call for a new conservative movement. And I'm not just calling for it. I'm trying to affect that, you know, between myself and anyone I know. And like I said, as always, we, we have to do this together. Send me a note, you know, send me, drop me a note with your ideas. I'll, I'll, I'll read your email. Um, but, but anyway, that's what it is. He rose to the challenge of his time. He believed in what he was doing was just, we don't have that on our side. You could tell, getting back to this outrage capacity, you could tell, oh, yeah, we just redefined marriage. Oh, we just redefined human sexuality. Oh, we just created an affirmative right to immigrate. Oh, the court just flipped the First and Fourteenth Amendments on its head, applying them where it's antithetical and an anathema to those amendments. But when those amendments actually apply, they piss on them. Oh, a foreign national from Somali has a right to immigrate, um, but uh, an American Christian or Jew has to service uh, the homosexual agenda with their own private property, thereby violating the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, the Establishment Clause says we have to rip out, like ISIS folks, all the monuments of, of religion in our country. Um, but, you know, but obviously we could import Sharia law. That's no problem. What? How do you tolerate that for a day? This is our Constitution. This is our country. These are our values. Why do we have to sit back and, and take this? But yet the party that's perceived as saying what I say is believing in what you and I believe in. They're not, they don't believe in it. In fact, they believe in the exact opposite. You don't know how many members of Congress told me, oh my gosh, you mentioned one word about anything cultural or civilization-wise. Uh, every single committee chairman, everyone with a platform runs for the hills. And they'll do everything they can to quelch it. Happened this week with a couple pieces of legislation. But anyway, that that's what George Washington was. And, you know... 
I I forget when was this his forget which birthday this was, but Calvin Coolidge was celebrating in the 1920s. And um, he said this about the significance of George Washington. His was the directing spirit without which there would have been no independence, no union, no constitution, and no republic. His ways were the ways of truth. He built for eternity. His influence grows. His stature increases with the increasing years. In wisdom of action, purity of character, he stands alone. We cannot yet estimate him. We can only indicate our reverence for him and thank the divine providence which sent him to serve and inspire his fellow men. You know, I cry inside of me thinking, you know, Coolidge said that in the 1920s when we're such a different country and he, he figured his influence with it would only grow. And how sad his influence has, uh, has been almost completely extinguished with the, the city that bears his name standing antithetical to every value he ever fought for and, and uh, dedicated his life to it, to establishing a country built upon those values. We need a new conservative movement. I mean, I know I spent a lot of time last year talking about a new political party, and I still believe we were eventually going to need that. But even before that, we, we don't have a conservative movement. It's not like, well, the conservative movement's good, but there's a bad Republican Party. There is no conservative movement. There is nothing. There is no one organized standing on the civilization issues that systemically destroy us. Sovereignty, security, society, the system of governance being flipped on its head. What's up is down. What's down is up. Um, you know, the judicial tyranny, which is everything. You, you know, the courts are literally mandating amnesty now. Forget about the whole Middle East legal immigration system. We're talking about illegal immigration. The ACLU is challenging every deportation. Literally every deportation. Um, and, and, and the courts are codifying Obama's illegal executive amnesty while Trump's is being thrown out. You know, Arizona's being forced to issue driver's licenses to the so-called DACA people. And they're actually codifying dreamers as a distinction. They're writing them in, you know, the ACLU is writing them in briefs and judges are using the term. Uh, uh, can you imagine that? So, can you imagine a, a piece of conservative legislation that never passed Congress and failed, you know, to, to pass the, the Senate and we codified into law? The dreamers. How could you deport a dreamer? And then Trump gets up there and talks about that. And that's what I mean with Trump. Trump needs to understand. I wrote a column about this earlier this week. You're either in or out. There's no such thing as lukewarm hell. Here's what he needs to understand. He is viewed as Daniel Horowitz. He is viewed as Mark Levin. He is viewed as a right-wing Nazi by the left. No matter how much he throws them a bone on amnesty, no matter how much he throws them a bone on the cultural Marxism, on the homosexual transgender agenda, no matter how much he throws them a bone on growing the size of government and maybe not repealing Obamacare, but saying you're repealing it, you're not going to gain any love. It's just going to evince weakness and you're going to get what, what we had in Bush's second term. You get nothing. You don't get the policies. You don't get the, um, you know, the the attributes of being a so-called right winger but you get all the blowback for it so you have the left wing base energized and our base is kind of dispirited because officially we have the power so we can't have any kind of energy that we had over the last eight years against it mobilization but on the other hand we're not getting anything but on the other hand people don't realize we're not getting anything because we're officially in power but the bureaucracies and the courts are running everything 
Um, and, and again, to give Trump credit, some of this he does want to fight back against. But, you know, he, he Congress is against him. Um, his own administration is against him. But he needs to take his destiny into his own hands. He needs to fire everyone. He's going to be viewed as an authoritarian anyway, so he may as well actually use his Article 2 powers. That is the one power president does have on personnel. Do it. Get everyone on board who agrees with you and say, this is it. Hire, he needs to fire Reince Priebus. He's going to have to do that at some point anyway. He's made it the earlier the better. Um, do it right before a big news cycle. You know, Maybe before the Gorsuch uh, court hearing, the Senate confirmation hearings. And uh, have that guy make sure the trains run on time, that everyone in the administration is doing everything everything they can to promote your policies and be on message about it. And, and, and craft a 10-point plan, some of our ideas, that these are unnegotiable. These are my priorities, my first-year priorities. You in Congress will do this. Dispatch Pence to demand that of McConnell and, and Ryan. Work with the Freedom Caucus to, to pressure leadership. Um, and go around the country giving a series of stump speeches like he did during the campaign at his strongest moments when Stephen Miller wrote those speeches for him on policy and just speak to the morality of your views. Now, I know some of you will laugh. Well, his views aren't always our views. I know that, but at least on some of them. And, and he has to understand that he has no choice but to adopt our views. We're the only home he has. What is he going to do? Where else is he going to go? So instead of you know, just being a dumpster fire and talking about process and process and elections and media. Talk about real stuff. Use that bully pulpit properly. There's no such thing as lukewarm hell. We need a leader. But, you know, part of the problem is we don't have a conservative movement. We don't have a conservative movement, meaning if you had a strong right in this country, an organized right, um, right center movement so trump would feel that gravitational pull he's naturally not a cultural conservative he's naturally not a fiscal conservative you know so he's not gonna if if the few good things he does no one backs him up he's certainly not gonna pursue the stuff that is not in his wheelhouse if he doesn't see the strong movement and if there's no movement around to, to fight the civil disobedience of the courts what the courts are doing to, i mean could you imagine that on the same week the courts i, I mean i'm just I'm just beside myself with this. The courts are destroying this country, and I'm trying to coalesce a movement to actually fight back on many fronts. I'll, I'll give you an update when it's more, you know, beyond its incipient uh, stages. But yeah, I mean, we got a serious problem here. We got a serious problem. And there's no reservoir of outrage from the conservative movement. I mean, the courts are ravaging this country. They're contorting the very foundation of its existence as a sovereign and free nation. These bastards on the bench are bastardizing the First and Fourteenth Amendments to mean the exact opposite of their intent. So what comes out? Sharia adherent Islamists in some hellhole in Somalia and Iraq have been granted an affirmative religious liberty right to immigrate. Yet Americans have no right to run their own businesses and property in accordance with their Christian, Jewish, Jewish beliefs, even Muslim beliefs, deeply rooted in our founding our founding monuments are uprooted by the courts under the guise of not establishing a state religion. Yet the courts are coercing individuals to service the sexual identity movement, which is a religion, against their conscience. And that is the very essence, essence of what the Establishment Clause um, sought to prevent. Red states are being prevented from protecting their sovereignty from illegal immigration. They're franchised from the, from the corruption of voter fraud. 
all under the corrupted misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment, yet blue states are allowed to violate property, religious, and civil rights of business owners by forcing them to engage in involuntary servitude for something that even Obama himself opposed, frankly, until the end of his first term. You know, we have Barnell Stutzman in Washington. That's the one legitimate manifestation of the 14th Amendment. So I just want to make this clear. The states are being crushed, right? You know, they, they can't do anything. They can't regulate election fraud, voter integrity. They, they can't define marriage. They can't um, prevent uh, men from going to female bathrooms and private dressing spaces. They can't do anything. States don't exist. They don't exist. They can't defend their sovereignty. They can't even uphold federal immigration laws. But one thing, what, what are they allowed to do? What are they allowed to do? They are allowed to tell individuals with their property and conscience that you must serve something that is antithetical to their religion. And we're not talking about some voodoo religion. We're talking about every major religion, especially the ones that founded this country. You know, even if you say, oh, we moved on, we become a homosexual country, a transgender country, you know, really, we're going to criminalize Christianity to the point where you can't earn a living with your own private property? We're not even talking about government contractors anymore. A state has no right to do that. You know how big of a a state's rights advocate I am. But we're not states' rights people. We're constitutional people. And there's legitimate federal powers. There's legitimate powers that belong to the states. And there's legitimate powers and rights that belong to the people. And that's exactly why we created the federal union. Those are one of the few examples. Just like a state cannot take away your guns, cannot take away your right to defend yourself, they certainly can't take away your property and livelihood and your conscience. The most sacred of property rights, as Madison always said. So that's the one area where the 14th Amendment actually empowers Congress to step in and say, no, even a state, can, much less the federal government, cannot do this to a person. But yet the courts have pretty much already said in the 90s with RIFRA, oh, no, 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 actually, no, no, folks, the 14th Amendment is precluded by the 10th Amendment. I'm not kidding you. I forgot to, um, uh, you, you guys would know this, um, very smart audience we have here. I'm forgetting the case, um, losing my brain here, where the, where the court said, that basically, no, this is this is Tenth Amendment, butt out. Uh, how do you force? Uh, you can't you can't force people to do that. You can't force states to. Oh yeah, City of Burn versus Flor, um, Flores. Um, yeah, I mean that that's what they said. And and, and you know the, the the funny thing is, so um, I I say this all the time. I have it in my book. You know, people forget about Section Five of the 14th Amendment, which authorizes Congress to enforce the scope of the 14th Amendment. So Congress is saying, so, but no, the courts say, no, Congress, but uh, you have no right. It's the courts that, that have the right to enforce it. <laughs> Whenever it says Congress in the Constitution, by the way, it really means the courts. So the courts could redefine the 14th Amendment, the exact opposite of what it really meant, but we can't do it. That was in this City of Bourne versus Flores case in... Um, in uh, 1997, you know, basically, uh, born Texas was St. Peter's Church, a whole zoning law, and uh, that was uh, striking down parts of RIFRA. So this is where we are with the courts. This is where we are with our our, our society. Um, you know, these are my most passionate issues. If you know, um, as you understand, um, y- y- you know, basically, it's it's all it's all throughout my book, but. You know, saving our civilization with immigration, judicial tyranny, and the convergence of the two, religious liberty, 
our civilization, election integrity. This is what is going to define our sovereignty, our civilization, our security, our society, and frankly, our ability to preserve our elections so we could even fight to win um, because that's rapidly changing. And, and again, I mean, Trump is actually good on that, but I mean, sometimes a little bit off message and, you know, like everything else, um, you know, get some things right, but, but whatever, that, that's where it's at. But, but here's where we are. Even when we win elections, we lose elections. It doesn't matter. The left is still winning. I mean, Obamacare, oh, how could you do that? So notice that how the left wing, it, this is the ratchet that Margaret Thatcher always talked about, that when the left is in, they just ratchet, ratchet up. When we're in, at best, we could hold it steady, but really we kind of slowly, gradually continue along their path. We certainly never reverse it like a ratchet that can't be pushed back. And even the most radical elements are now the baseline, like, you know, that that's the wall. You can't move beyond beyond that. So we th- we have a scenario where the left wing is winning fifty year culture battles overnight without firing a shot, and our guys like, oh yeah yeah okay, we're criminalizing Christianity. Oh okay, no problem. Oh yeah, um, there there's there's uh, no right to sovereignty. There's a right to immigrate unless we could prove that there's a substantial burden. Why we don't want these people? Yeah okay, no no outrage, nothing. We're not going to do anything. Um, Obamacare, yeah, we, we can't take that away. Oh, uh, we're discriminating against anyone that doesn't have a transgender bathrooms. Okay, yeah, you know, we're not gonna, it's not worth getting rid of that. Um, th- this is where we are. This is where we are. The most vile and destructive fiscal and social security policies of the left are now the baseline for when we take office. And, and there's no conservative movement to even raise awareness, to even message this. You know, everyone asks me, like, why don't you serve in the DOJ? Why don't you do this? No one's making these arguments. And, you know, like with the immigration stuff. Finally, Texas, you know, Texas does it good. Um, Scott Scott Keller, uh, Cruz alumni, he's the solicitor general. He's following in his bo- former boss's footsteps. He wrote an amazing amicus brief um, against, uh, you know, the other states, the you know Washington suing the executive order. Um, but, you know, this is stuff I've been writing. And w- where is everyone? You know, at some point, I'm going to start a new organization. Um, that's my goal, to work with people like Steve Dace, to work with, um, you know, some other allies. I'm trying to gather a list of, of, you know, media personalities, people that are good on their feet, academics, government relations people. And I know that sounds kind of like an insider weird, weirdo term, but believe it or not, there are, you know, the handful of good organizations that kind of turn sour. You have You had some good people. And I'm trying to gather all these people. Look, you need funding, and that's 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 the problem with everything. Um, to the best of my ability, I would take as little of a salary as I as I can. Um, this would be my life's fulfillment. So you know, I'm obviously still going to always be here doing what what we do at Conservative Review. Um, and by the way, I mean, in order to keep the lights on, I, I need you guys to support our sponsors. You know, CRTV, our, our sister TV or um, network. This is going to be our platform with Mark Levin leading the charge, Michelle Malkin, Steve Days, Stephen Crowder. By the way, doing a great job fighting the culture wars in, in a very humorous way that relates to young folks. Um, we're going to have more talent as well. So, I mean, there's no deal like this out there. Ninety nine bucks for an entire year, no commercials. There's more more content that you, you know what to do with. There's also going to be some videos produced or narrated by me um, on some of the issues of the day. Um, 
yeah, I mean, this is this is where we are. Um, but y- y- you know, I-, I don't mean to be gloomy here. But the first step in finding a solution to a problem is recognizing the severity of the problem. Recognizing that severity, and uh, we're living in a we're living in hell. Look, you know, <laughs> at some point I might just give up and uh, go off the grid <laughs> like some of these folks, and uh, for ninety nine bucks a year get my hundred forty meals, ready made meals from uh, um, Patriot Supply at preparewithcr.com our other sponsor but until then i'm gonna keep fighting the good fight and um you know send me send me your emails you know, i i, I want to you know I, I forgot to address this uh, one of our listeners uh peter um thanks for taking the time to write your long email and i i probably not going to get a chance at least this week to respond but i'll respond to you here you know, you just feel like you're saying a lot of the stuff we're saying on social media and you feel like you're getting bombarded, called a racist, called all these names, and you're wondering if there's anyone with us. Two things. First of all, just know that social media is very distorted. You know, if social media were the country, Trump wouldn't have won the election. Um, I always give the example Israel. Uh, if you, you know, Gallup polls it and it's something like, do you support Israel or Palestinians? The polling is something like 70 to 15%. But if you go on social media, it's 90-10 the other way. So just know that. But moreover, this is the problem. The reason why the country has moved so far to the left is because we cede the ground. We cede the parlance, the talking points, the premises. No one talks the way we do here. None of the, none of the elected Republicans do. None of the even movement conservatives. It's this mealy mouth stuff. They don't speak to the morality and the justness of our cause. The way the left does. So people nowadays are very, you know, bumper sticker minded. They're, they're, they're grabbed by whatever they see. Public opinion is is very, is very, very fickle. It, it, it turns on a dime. It really does. So, you know, if, if the, they're grabbed by the strongest vision that they see, if that's on the left, they'll be grabbed by that. If it's on the right, they'll be grabbed by that. We don't have it. This is why we need to start a new movement. This is why we need leadership. We don't need managers. We don't need thumb suckers. We don't need a manager in Trump. We don't need thumb suckers in uh, in the conservative movement, and we don't need a uh, bankruptcy among the GOP establishment. So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna keep working on solutions. I mean, look, you know, we have great pieces out this week. Look at the case we made for the border fence. The case I'm I'm making for judicial reform. I'm gonna have a list of at least twelve ideas for Congress to fight back and the other branches of government to fight back against the courts. This is my big project. Um, we have all the stuff on, on explaining the lower courts, why they're broken information. You're not going to see elsewhere, both philosophically specifically. And that's what we try to do here. You know, you have some, some good websites out there that really get to the philosophy of conservatism. You have some that give some good information, but not comprehensive. Like we do, we tie it all together. The foundation together with the live fire, serious in the weeds down to the in the in the weeds details but not in a way that's you know incomprehensible all the information that you need to know believe it or not there's more to life than russia 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 you know we need to take our own destiny in our own hands we need to respond we need to drive our own narrative if we were fighting against the courts with rallies with you know victims like the left has their victims oh this guy this iranian jihadist wasn't allowed in the country and they have all their props you know and everything we need our props you know 
Bernal Stutzman, the Klein fa- family. We need to rally to them. We need to rally to state officials that refuse to give in to judicial tyranny and create a movement. And, and the media will be about that. And then we could use that platform instead of talking about whatever the media wants to talk about. Let's make them talk about what we want to talk about. Anyway, hope you guys, those of you who do have off Monday, enjoy your, your uh, vacation. Just understand we're celebrating George Washington, not every president, because most of them, frankly, sucked. Um, George Washington, to a certain extent, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, in order to move forward, we have to appreciate and understand our heritage. And we have to be committed in practice, not just in theory, not just to th- thumb suck. We need live action leadership. And I am committed as long as you guys are to working with me, to forging a new path and fighting the good fight. Thank you so much. God bless. This has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience.